fuck? Thanks, Craig. What the fuck? What? Are you gonna say hi to Craig or are you gonna be rude as fuck, Keith? Craig, you little bitch. <laughs> oh, not off to a good start. It's probably gonna mess with your with your levels. Yo, what's up, Craig? Craig's in the house, doing his thing. Have we used Craig before? Uh, yeah, we used him uh, uh, last year. Okay, I'll be totally honest. Completely forgot we were doing this. I still have no list, but I'll do it <laughs> off the cuff as per usual. Off the cuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I forgot like until about... 35 minutes ago. Dude, can we just talk about the Fast 9 trailer? Can we just make... Yeah, just like, yeah. I think we can fill a half hour I think, Fast 9 trailer. I think it has to be addressed. Uh, this is a Fast and Furious podcast now. <laughs> Dude, there's so much going on in that trailer that it's kind of insane. I kind of, I kind of wish they hadn't like ruined uh, the return of uh, Han. Is it Han? Yeah, dude. I'm. I don't know why they did that in the trip. Obviously, I'm hype. Yeah, I for mean, justice yeah. for Han. <laughs> but like, think- why do that in the trailer? Yeah, I know it bothers me. I think unless uh, there's going to be some like next level double fake out where like we saw Han's <laughs> twin brother and then there's actual Han in the movie too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I'd be surprised. <laughs> it doesn't seem like the kind of franchise that does that, but I mean, if Dom can have John Cena as a brother out of nowhere. <laughs> You think like John Cena's Mission Impossible is as Han in that in that scene? That'd be pretty cool. Oh, dude, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> what do you think? I think the odds of Gal Gadot getting like back into this franchise are like pretty much zero. Dude, justice think, for Giselle, man. I'm st- I'm still holding up. I think she's flown the coop and <laughs> has yeah. no desire to return. <laughs> Vin Diesel is, like, you know, hanging on for dear life. I mean, he's actually, you know, he has that new superhero movie coming up. But yeah. he needs Fast and Furious. Yeah, I mean, he's the he's pretty much the center of it now. What would we do without him tilting his head, like, slightly upwards while, like, muttering something about family? <laughs> family Dude. is everything. Tyrese low-key piloting a spaceship in this movie. (laughs) God, he's so lucky that he's in this franchise. Fucking Tyrese. Oh, dude. He would would have his IRS issues if he were not in bed with Fast and the Furious would be terrible. (laughs) I think my favorite... Part of the trailer was just Ludacris's "Ah hell nah," <laughs> right as uh, they're about to drive off the cliff at the, <laughs> and they like catch onto the rope at the end. Dude, classic. There's <laughs> so classic. There's like elite. There's a fucking Avengers plane in this movie. <laughs> That's like a stealth bomber, I think, isn't it? <laughs> Not even, dude. That thing's modeled like straight after the Avengers. It's like that's <laughs> that's not any stealth bomber I've ever seen. <laughs> I can't, I can't think of a movie since since Fast and Furious Five that there hasn't been a line like they've got a blank, like they've got a tank, they've <laughs> yeah. got a yeah, they've exactly. got a magnet plane. <laughs> I fucking love it. 
it keeps i mean that's because the 10th one is they've got a fucking space shuttle like. <laughs> yeah dude straight up the last movie has to be like helen mirren with a space station like straight <laughs> up because i just wrote the most perfect ending for this franchise <laughs> that i can think of uh, like a, a space like evil evil base like fucking yeah, it's like they work out all the rocketry kinks out in this movie. Like, that's where the seeds are planted. And then next movie, it's like, dude, there's this NOS and, like, a, a Tesla booster attached to Dom's Dodge Challenger. I'm honestly <laughs> not even sure that that's not what's going to happen. Like, I, I kind of feel like they are going to do that. Like, there, there was a sequence where, like, thousands of cars were hacked and just like driven out of building. It's, it's like, what? <laughs> they like Elon Musk is just like, has a fucking slingshot where he's like launching cars into the fucking orbit. And like, how is Elon Musk not the villain in 10? You know? <laughs> yeah. Like he has to be. Like I'm surprised not we're getting like me sucking Elon's dick. I think Elon's a fucking idiot, but it just makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Just <like> yeah. <laughs> he also just looks villainous. Like <laughs> like Elon Musk just looks like a fucking Bond villain. <laughs> yeah. Is Charlize like related to the Shaw family, or is she like her own separate entity? I think she's her own separate one. Okay. Because I hated the eighth movie. I was, like, not even paying attention watching it. Yeah, it, was, it went a bit off the rails. So it had, it, had some, it had some scenes. I, I didn't like Hobbs and Shaw that much. Like, Hobbs and Shaw was... Uh, yeah. I didn't see it. <laughs> it was not good. Yeah. Dude, that's why we like need... a few moments that were good, but, yeah, overall, it's, it's very, um, I don't know, derivative of itself. I don't know. It's just, like, it's very repetitive. Of the yeah. same jokes and themes, and it's just like it's not funny enough. It's not fun enough. It's not. Yeah, the humor is, I think, funny. easily the weakest point in that in that movie. Like it just not. And that was supposed to be funny. like the straw, like the whole impetus yeah. for having that franchise. Yeah. And now you miss out on the rock, probably like peeling the the car off of the magnet plane or some ridiculous feat of strength in this one so that sucks uh i don't think he's gonna be in it no i'm saying like you you miss out on oh, it because oh, like he's oh, in yeah how amazing is that beef that he just gets john cena to replace the rock basically i know that's like that's <laughs> so fucking shady i fucking love it <laughs> Dude, that's so like good. so fucking like dirty Vin, Vin Diesel being a prima donna is like one of my favorite things. God, that's so like sloppy. I love it. That's where you're wrong, Dom. This is my world. Like what? <laughs> what <are> they... <laughs> they don't look even a little bit alike. <laughs> like there's they're they don't even try. Don Cena looks like he's was born in Kansas. Vin Diesel looks like he was born in some South American country and also Italy. It doesn't make it. <laughs> yeah, he's just like multi multi ethnic East LA guy or something like that. <laughs> I, I I really doubt they're gonna address that. Like, 
They could be like, no, oh, that's the best part about it. It's like they don't give a shit. It doesn't yeah. matter that Han has died twice and come back twice. <laughs> no, our trailer's four minutes. Han is back. John Cena is Dom's brother, and there's going a rocket booster outer space. Dude, they have to. Honestly, if like I will be disappointed if they don't, but I genuinely think they are gonna go to space. I genuinely think they are too. Like, if if anything, like this is proof that they are are attuned to the fan base's interests, right? Like that's why Han is back. That's why Justin but, Lin is back. That's why, you know? Fast and the Furious might be like the best example of like good fan service that I've ever totally. seen. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it, it also helps that like the fan base is very welcoming to that. Like nobody is a dick. Like it's just a, a, a positive fan base. <laughs> Everyone's just yeah. excited. It's like Star Wars is so toxic. Yeah. Everyone has their own preconceived notions and shit of, like, what is right and what is true. But everyone is just, like, fucking geared up for a stupid good time for Fast and Furious. It's amazing, dude. We need to see, like, a midnight show. When is that opening? Is it in, like, May? Yeah, I think it's in a few months. Dude, we should try to meet up for, like, a midnight showing of that. (laughs) I wonder if that's, like, because, like, Avengers has, like, you know, Marvel Comics, Ghostbusters had the original Ghostbusters, like, the fact that there's no previous IP for Fast and Furious, I don't know, it's interesting. Dude, they made so much bank off of Fast and the Furious, like, it makes no sense. So, so wait, Keith, you're saying, like, the fact that they don't have, like, an IP basing it off of means, like, there's not those, like, fan expectations or, like... Yeah, I don't know. Like, just, you, you can't, like argue about like oh that's not how it's supposed to be yeah like you haven't had decades of you know build up around the mythos of these characters yeah and also like the fact that they do play so fast and loose with anything that makes sense it's like there is no limit to to what can happen and like i mean this in a good way but it's very like it it recycles a lot of elements and i think it does it like cleverly like it 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 or at least most of the time it, it does it like in a clever way. Um, but like it, you know, star Wars or something like if you go, uh, if you like make a different movie than people are expecting, like that's one thing, but they've never really made like a different movie than I think like, you know, fundamentally a different movie than anyone expects them to make. Dude, the, the, the fucked up thing. It's like C3PO and Letty both get amnesia in their respective series. And the only one I care about is Letty in Fast and Furious. <laughs> now, now if they could just throw Babu Frick in with, with one of his hey hey's. <laughs> I, it is weird. Like, I do feel like such positive emotions <laughs> towards the entire Fast and Furious cast. Like, even yeah. Tyrese, he's like a fucking idiot, but, like, I just love <laughs> this ensemble cast. Like, they're just so lovable. <laughs> yeah. Dude. I I need to get in contact with Chris Morgan to tell him about my, like, you know, my, my Heaven's Gate ending for this movie. <laughs> Like straight up, I mean, they they did like an eight minute 
it just like completely doesn't make any sense in this movie send off to Paul Walker. There's no reason why they can't do uh, that. that idea. Perfect sense. How dare you? I cry. I weeped. I weeped <laughs> openly. Actually, actually, you're right. You're absolutely right. It was beautiful. Honestly, like I'm not even kidding. That was a beautiful send off. Dude, it was too. Like it was like it wasn't like hacky. You're actually like, damn, dude, Paul Walker. I was definitely like just waiting for it to like, <laughs> like I was waiting for it to blow up. But it, for some reason, they just like handled it really well. Yeah, it could have been so rude and disgusting. Uh, yeah, like. And, like I love the franchise, but, like, I don't necessarily trust them to, like, yeah. nail a kind of, like, really emotional thing. Yeah, like, a res- respect. Like, all due respect. Yeah, of, like, this person. Yeah, like, that's not the, the aesthetic of this series, but, like, yeah. they fucking knock it out of the park. And by comparison, Star Wars is terrible. <laughs> like, they CGI people, and it's just, like, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, dude. Star Wars is about so family too. It's like, what's going on here, guys? God, why? Why do like two thirds of like the the main Star Wars characters just like roll over and die? Like that's that's their thing. Like they just like expire. Yeah. <sighs> anyway, that's that's not a here nor there. We we should we should we should get into this. Uh... I mean, I we're think here we, for a reason. We covered everything that happened this year. This is the biggest <laughs> cinematic event of 2020. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, I'll just like, dude, I'm like a parasite, all right? <laughs> parasite is number five or your number one? That's, <laughs> that's all of them. It's just one through to. Wow. All right. Well. <laughs> Uh, let's uh, look. I, I like the tradition that we have here. I like I like the ritual. Let's let's go five to one. Unless there's any strenuous objections to that. No, I have. I've written my list. It's, it was cobbled together, you know, an hour ago. Uh, why don't you or I go first so Steve can decide whether Parasite is or is not his number five. And and let me sh- give a big shout out to our fans. I mean, <laughs> they're the reason we keep doing this. Is like <laughs> we we owe them a lot. And uh, I've gotten say... I've gotten a lot of uh, requests on Twitter, you know, <laughs> via text. My, yeah, my phone's been blowing up for the past week. People were upset that we did not record last week. I don't so. I don't know if you saw our, our fan page on Facebook, but people are furious. <laughs> yeah. So, time to time to give the people the that juicy film disgust that they've been, <laughs> been looking for. Shout out to our sponsor, ExpressVPN. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and Audible, Audible, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. They've been with us uh, from the very beginning. And uh, apologies to the Oscars for uh, not publishing our list sooner. I know that the voters <laughs> have been waiting. They've been flying blind. They've been, they've been some criticism for their their hot takes. But it's finally here. 2019, y'all. What a year. The uh, Action Warcraft podcast. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to SC2. Just keeps getting better and better. 
the balance back just rolling in one after another. I got like really into StarCraft two like six months ago or something. I like re-downloaded it, was like playing a hit a shit ton. Is any good still? Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty fun. Dude, I read in like gl- a glowing, unironic review of like uh, Begon's Long Day's Journey into Night recently. They were like, it's a four out of four. It it has been on more like best of 2019 list than I ever would have guessed. Uh, it makes no sense. No, it fucking makes no sense. I was reading an article about it where like it came out. Um, I think like. Chinese New Year, or or it came out on this like auspicious day in China, and it was only out for like a super short time, like a week or something. And like afterwards, on like Chinese social media, there it was trending like something like uh, "Long Day's Journey into Night," like what is going on or something. And because when we originally got out of that, I thought like, oh, maybe we're missing like a lot of cultural stuff. But from reading that article, it sounded like no. It sounded like it's just very like opaque. And <laughs> no, I read that we we did miss some stuff. Like there's a uh, lot of th- there is some stuff, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think at- I'm not sure what any of that stuff would be. But uh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, I think it is purposefully like you know it's supposed to be vague and uh, yeah, like a like a dream. Yeah. Is your is your mic, Keith, like weird or something? Because I can't really hear you that well. You don't hear me. Uh, that's that's like, better. Okay, I moved it a little. I can keep it here. Okay, cool. Uh, but yeah, that that was that was a big surprise to see people talking about, much less putting like number three or two on their list. Here's what I'll say: is like. In terms of our picks at TIFF, we were, like, on the pulse, you know? Of, like, what's good? Uh-huh. That said, fuck that movie. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. like, I don't know, maybe I was very tired. I don't know about you guys. No, dude, that movie, it definitely was the movie and not us. Like, 100%. Yeah, that fucking put me to sleep. I mean, if you compare it to a movie, like, like from the previous time, I Am Not Mad and Bovary, which I fucking love. Uh yeah. Like hurt? that, and and I don't know. I haven't heard fucking shit about that since it came out, so it makes me a little upset. But I mean, to to be fair, it was largely Chinese propaganda, but it was a good movie. I mean, yeah, yeah. You can uh, you can sometimes work within the system. All right, Daniel, you want to start us off? Sure. Okay, so my number five. Uh, I kind of doubt. You guys have seen this. I very much doubt it, actually. Uh, is uh, Wild Rose? No, I didn't see it. That's the. It's a song. Yeah, song. like it, it's a like Scottish uh, woman who gets into country, or she's, I guess, always been into country, and she like is trying to get to Nashville. I almost saw that at Biff. Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. That would have been that would have been a, a, a good pick, I think. So let me give you just a quick rundown of it. It's like uh, this uh, this woman played by uh, Jesse Buckley is kind of this rising star. Uh, she has a family, um, like two kids, 
her mom's taking care of her kids because she was in jail for a year for like selling heroin and her like excuse in court is uh like i was too high to know that like i was transporting heroin (laughs) so she she gets out of uh she she gets out of um prison um and she starts working for this like rich kind of posh english lady uh and it, it it kind of proceeds predictably um it's it's kind of the star is born um formula where this woman like discovers her her talent she's like oh you have a really good voice like you you should like you should be going to nashville and she starts like supporting her in that effort and like launching fundraisers for her and and that kind of stuff and uh then but like jesse buckley doesn't tell her that she has kids um and she kind of just like sidelines her kids and like (laughs) has them stay with friends and stuff like that while she's like trying to make it big. And so it's, she kind of has to decide between like, you know, do I want to be, or do I need to be responsible or can I like follow my dreams and that kind of stuff. And uh, I, I won't give away the ending, but it, it, the ending would be no surprise. But I mean, the, the reason this is on my list is because of Jesse Buckley, like her performance, her performance is fucking amazing. Um, she has a like insane voice uh, and is just like the most emotive like uh, person without like over, you know, overdoing it. Uh, let me, let me give a quote from David Ehrlich from his review. Um, he says credit for uh, like the movie being more than like the c- kind of cookie cutter star is born uh, film. Uh, belongs to the ridiculous, ridiculous talent of Jesse Buckley, whose unbridled lead performance builds on her work in Beast and Chernobyl to confirm the young Irish star is one of the most exciting people you could ever hope to see on a movie screen. Uh, and that that is like no hyperbole right there. She she's just fucking amazing. Um, and I think because of that, like you end up. <sighs> In, instead of kind of like rolling your eyes at some of the more like genre elements and stuff, like you, you actually like are cheering, like when she like succeeds or, uh, you know, uh, gets an opportunity or something rather than like, Oh, this is formulaic. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're in it. You're, you're excited for her and you're, uh, uh like rooting for her and, and stuff in in a way that like, I don't generally do in those kind of, in those kind of movies. Uh, And uh, yeah. And I'll also just say the music is amazing. There's this, like most of the music is like uh, existing uh, country music, but they end on this song that uh, they wrote for the film and the song. It's, it's a really funny story. The song was written by Mary Steenburgen. Um, yeah, I know. I've heard oh, the story. You, you've heard the story. Okay. Uh, well, I guess for for Steve, then she like went into surgery, and when she came out of surgery, uh, she had like this musical, like she just had music going through her head. It was like this this kind of weird, um, like synapses like <laughs> being realigned or something, and she just had like music playing in her in her head, and she kind of just like quit everything and like headed out to Nashville to like write music and she ended up like writing the song for this uh movie which is just like really funny and uh (laughs) 
uh, uh, just a really cool story in a way because she like turned this thing that was like really like kind of spooky and like she didn't quite know what to do with it but she like turned that into uh like just imp- she like embraced it and she she started just getting really into music so yeah it's and it's like a, one of those things where it's like a not not common at all but sometimes it happens that yeah people have surgeries and like have skills that they never had before like uh-huh. speak languages that they didn't speak before it's like a very strange phenomenon and yeah in her case she just like learn like just I, I guess i don't know if she like had music writing skills before or what but yeah she like wrote this incredible song apparently yeah she said i think in the article it said she was like into music but like a focus at all of her life yeah it's crazy yeah anyway i i love this movie i think you guys would enjoy it um is the movie itself actually good? Like, or, or is it is it you know mainly based your your interest in this based off of this really good performance and the the music? Uh, I mean the 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 movie itself is good. Uh, it's it's not like great or groundbreaking. Like it it is uh, formulaic um, in in a lot of ways. In some ways, it it kind of uh, bucks some of the the tropes and and, and trends, but mm-hmm. it. The the movie itself, I mean, the movie is good, um, but but it's mostly because of like Jesse Buckley's performance and and the the other actors give really good performances. Like it, it's uh, great acting all around, but um, it, it's not like it's not like you you uh, can be you would be like enjoying her performance but not enjoying the movie. Like you'll enjoy the movie because like <laughs> of the kind of work that she does. And it's not a bad movie, like, without her. It's just, like, without her, it's just kind of more formulaic. I dig it. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's my number five. Steven? Would you like to go next, or uh, let's see? Uh, Shall I open, open my IMDb? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, all right, I get. I guess number five is probably. Gonna, hmm, I'll probably put five at like uncut gems. What? Right, we all saw that, yeah. T- t- tell me. Yeah, I saw that. I've seen it. I saw it yesterday, actually. Oh, you saw it yesterday? Mm-hmm. What did you think about it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now that it's on the list. <laughs> Damn, okay. I think I like Good Time by the Safdie Brothers a little bit more than I like Uncut Gems, but... I need to see that. The, the only, like, experience of, like, pure anxiety and, like... Uh, Oh, fuck. I think anxiety, addiction, and what was the intention that you're going to get is through uncut gems because you're just biting your fingernails, praying that this guy doesn't continue to fuck up and he just continues to keep fucking up. Uh, it's it's not on my list. It, it was probably the... It'd probably be number six for me, I would say. So, I, I very Dang. much enjoyed it. 
Yeah, it's like, you know, 1970s, super tight, uh, zoom lens kind of shots. I don't know, man. I don't have much to say. But, like, Sandler, when he's actually surrounded by good material and and is, like, well-casted, is kind of great. Yeah. I was reading, someone was saying, like, he, you recognize a lot of the, like, Adam Sandler-isms in the movie. Uh, like his kind of like wheedling and uh, uh, his like <laughs> sense of humor being like kind of childish. But like in this movie, it takes on just like such a different hue <laughs> because they're like very much character flaws. And uh, yeah, he has like, like this inherently sympathetic quality, which you need. Otherwise, you're just going to be watching a movie about like some asshole making bad decisions. But, like, uh-huh. the reason why it works is because of that, like, there's just, like, Sandler has a sympathetic quality. Like, during that breakdown scene, for example, you're just like, damn, dude, I just want him and Kevin Garnett to win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ah, that, that was a very brutal ending for the, for the movie. I'm not sure I loved the ending. Like, because... You know, it's playing with uh, your emotions at that point, whether or not it's actually going to, like, work or not work out. And in some ways, I think the bolder move is, like, it just works out. But they were like, nah, let's go for, like, the the departed burn-after-reading moment where Leo and Brad Pitt just get shot in the face. But it doesn't, like, come out of nowhere in this movie because, like, like he... I'm sorry, Keith. Uh, it's so, not out of nowhere. Yeah, you're right. It, so it, you know, like before, like he, he's really good at like what he does. Like somehow, like he's tapped into this like vein of the universe where he, he can like make bets that like really pay off, but he's like shit at the, the human element. So like it, the fact that he makes a bet with like this guy's money and then that guy just says like cancel the bet like you know that completely screws him over and then the fact that he's like needling this guy who's like clearly has like violent tendencies and anger issues at the end like you know he's he's a fucking like he's great at what he does but he's like tragically uh really bad at dealing with with humans Keith, um, I loved Uncut Gems. I I I thought it was really really good. Um, it's it's my fourth uh pick of the of here. Um, dude, I was so fucking stressed out by this movie. I spent yeah. like the entire film, like the second that it opens, I was just like, uh, I'm immediately overwhelmed by like the noise, the amount of characters, like everyone's yelling at each other. There's so much anger and like frenetic chaos that's happening. Um, yeah, I loved it, and and um, I don't know if it's just the Jew in me that like loved this movie on another <laughs> level, but I loved like, all the Jew stuff. It was so fucking Jewy. There was. Uh, it's so New York. Like there was so many fucking weirdos. Like every person's face in this movie was iconic. <laughs> like just yep. the weirdest motherfuckers. So New York. The, that little fucking guy with the long white hair, who's like he gave the Rolex oh, yeah. to like the, these people. The, the, they're dressed. They're I don't know. It was. 
the set design is incredible. Like his shitty Long Island house that is disgust, like decorated disgustingly. Uh, the that converse, like the dialogue is phenomenal. That conversation he has with his daughter uh, is so good. He's like, you know, she's like, oh, like I'm hanging up my phone, and then she is doesn't hang up her phone. Like, I don't know. I just love this movie so much. Um, and yeah, I don't know uh, if it is just the Jew in me, but uh, there was something about it and his struggle that felt like kind of biblical to me. And yeah, uh, there was something like Job. Job-esque about it, uh, where he is like has this cursed item, almost uh, this cursed, you know, path, and he is mm-hmm. just struggling against it. Um, and it felt, you know, from the beginning, it opening in Ethiopia, you know, these like themes of greed and envy and anger and you know f- just chaos, right? Like these two groups the chinese and the ethiopians uh you know uh just pushing against each other it felt so uh, like i don't know there was this, this i mean and obviously like they are aware of that you know right they push into the 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 gem and at the end they push into the bullet wound but like they they know what they're doing but yeah there's this energy of of madness and this old you know feeling to all of these struggles um mm-hmm and pride and you know all of this so i thought it was really phenomenal yeah uh i i definitely agree about like the kind of the the stress factor in that movie and how it like uh like just basically hooks you in and doesn't doesn't let go of you until the end like at no point was i like even in the points where just like people are talking to each other like there's that underlying um like tension of, of where you realize like a lot of these people are like in kind of uncomfortable alliances with each other and and are like <laughs> despise each other in a lot of ways like just his relationship with his wife um and and so it makes like every scene just like you're kind of on the edge of your seat and it, there's something like metaphysical um, about the movie. I mean, it, there's the more obvious like element where in the beginning and the end where they kind of like take this uh, like psychedelic journey through the the gem, and then it like becomes this colon. Um, but it, I, I think I, I loved remember, all that stuff. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, I, the, I would it. watch a whole movie where it's just Kevin Garnett being obsessed by this gem. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Garnett is so good in this movie, also. Like, yeah, he's scene stealing. I was like, dude, Kevin Garnett is like the best thing in every scene of this movie. <laughs> like, it's yeah. all—it's so believable. I don't know what the fuck. He's like, I have a happy pace. Zach. <laughs> it's the kind of movie like. Where I feel like you know there are ki- like kind of caricaturish or like exaggerated characters, maybe not as much as like Fargo, but like Fargo, um, yeah, totally. It, it comes from like people who who know the the culture and the yeah. like yeah. the the <laughs> the zeitgeist of of what the you know the movie that they're they're making the the people and everything in it. Well, one of their yeah. strong suits is they actually use like real life characters. Like these people are like. 
you know, if, if you saw them in a movie, you would think they were cartoons, but they're actually really existing people. Like, like when he goes down to the diamond district and he's just like, look, I got a 20% vig on Garnett's ring and you need to get back in a <laughs> yeah. week. Like, that's like that. That, guy, that, dude. that That's a real dude. And he's like, nobody else could play like that. Any, maybe somebody else could do it convincingly. But like the fact <laughs> yeah. that they actually used those guys is what's like the only human being on earth who could have p- pulled that off was like Philip Seymour Hoffman or something. <laughs> but yeah, that, that 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 actor, that guy who yeah who does that scene is like, here's what I'm gonna do for you. It's so it's so fucking good. Everyone is amazing in this. Got a thirty yeah. percent big for a week, and that's you know, the over under sixty k. And you gotta get me that rig, buddy. You gotta get. Me. How you doing? You know, we said Friday. You know, it's Monday. It's just. <sighs> Dude, and so that film is so stressful. Like the idea of living a life where like everything is up in the air and like things are promised to other people, things are not in your possession. You are constantly just scamming and promising and lying and just being a dirtbag. That is like just the conceit of that type of lifestyle makes me out of my mind. I'm so stressed out just thinking about it. <laughs> I spent the entire movie, like, he takes Garnett's ring and gives it to that guy. I, the entire movie was like, he's got to get his ring back. Like, what? Like just <laughs> one one thing that I was aware of stressed me the fuck out. Yeah, it's, it's like a more stressful and, like, kind of seedier version of, like, The Wolf of Wall Street in a lot of ways. Well, the movie's based, like, the POV is just, like, straight addiction. So it's like that, as far as, like telegraphing what exactly like the the addict's mind is like like this movie is like amazing at doing that i like that scene where he like grabs the basketball and like runs and does it <laughs> up and then oh yeah and, like just completely screwing himself over just because like he like sees something and he has to go for it like that, that, that's such a great illustration of who he is as a as a character yeah god i like hate him so much and i like could not help but like want him to win yeah it's amazing it's i don't know it's like a weirdly amazing film yeah and and like i was saying like it taps into these meta metaphysical like uh uh, these like metaphysical veins uh the music i love the music the music is this like synth psychedelic uh layer to the film that at first like it it kind of stood out to me but then it like just gave such a fascinating quality to like everything that you're looking at. Um, it, it, it really enhanced uh, the, the movie in a way that I, I didn't expect it to. Yeah. Like, I don't know. The movie felt like mystical to me at times because of the score. This is so mm-hmm. weird. This is a weird fucking film. Like I never would have thought that it would have worked like that, but it fucking works. It works. Yeah. Perfectly. I gotta have this gem. I gotta have <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I loved it. What a yeah. weird movie. It's like I need, I need it for the championship. <laughs> and you're just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> it's so dense too. Like that that guy who comes and bids up uh, uh, the gem at at the auction. Like who the fuck was that guy? <laughs> yeah, and like he was super rich. And like I just I like and him and Abe were like 
very deferential to him. They're like, let him go, let him go, like let him don't like we can't involve him in like our fucking provincial conflict. But like, what does that mean about him? Who is he? Why does he have a fucking Bentley? I don't understand. <laughs> he looked like he was about two seconds away from a crisp breakdown. Like, all time. I thought it was a great film. I loved it. Yeah. All right. Next. Uh, I think I have. So my number five, you know, I got a lot of options here. I don't feel super strongly that this should be number five, but you know what? I'm going with it. Got it. Um, I have like a list of five other films that could easily have been number five, but I'm going to go with it. Uh, I got The Farewell. Oh, okay. okay. I'm, glad, I'm glad I saw that like a couple days ago. Haven't seen it. All right. Um yeah, I thought it was just a very charming and funny film that uh, deals with generational conflicts and the American, Asian American, Chinese, you know, national uh, conflict very well. Uh, and was it was just like an interesting piece of that culture and that texture that um, I hadn't seen before. And I think at least based off of, again, my uh, personal experience, um, it is. It felt like extremely authentic to uh, the the things that I've experienced as well, and um, really nailed like a lot of the just the really tiny pieces of that, where just little nods and little expectations and little uh, dynamics between characters that aren't even you know the main part of the scene. It was just all. It was all like very richly realized. Um, and it was, you know, about an interesting topic, I think. Not just, like, the ethical quandary of it, but just, like, you know, what it what it means to, like, love each other and uh, how you show it and how that uh, is realized in other cultures. Um, and, yeah, I mean, everybody's, like, weird and difficult and, uh, you know... Uh, there's strange, strange dynamics that happen, but it, it felt like very human um, and pulled out of, you know, a very a different culture uh, than what I'm used to. Um, so I just thought it was like a really interesting film. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. And it was funny and Aquafina is really good in it too. I I liked the film. I did think, however, that Aquafina was maybe... Um, not the strongest element in it. Um, really? Yeah, I, I felt like some of the stuff that she was doing um, might have been like it, it might have been better served to have like a a, a different uh, actress there. Um, that's just kind of like a general feeling so that I had. What was your um, problem with her uh, her uh, performance? Well, like I said, it's more of a general feeling that I that I got, um, you know, coming out of the movie. Um, I, I think it, and, and so I'm sorry, I'm struggling to come up with like a scene that I think embodies this, but I think the um, the opening or not the opening, the, the scene where she like shows up uh, to her uh, grandmother's place. Um, like, I think that took me out of it a little bit just cause um, I wasn't quite with her, like how she was uh, emoting and like what she was feeling. And um, it, it's also possibly 
partly the, the way that it was shot. Um, just like I, I didn't get a good feeling of like where the characters were at. Um, yeah, I, I just, it, it, it felt a little cool to me, I guess. I I mean, I would argue that like any of that was, was part of the like fish out of water stuff, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to, uh, <laughs> um, to explain a, a criticism that's more, really more of just like a feeling that you had. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's probably just racism. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm reading this as secret racism. <laughs> I can't explain it. It got me personally. So <laughs> I I did like a lot of the um, uh, a lot of the like like kind of fish like you say fish out of water like cultural elements like when she goes up to her hotel room and the guys like. What do you what do you think's better, China or America? Um, and <laughs> I think it was also partly because I, I just read this book uh, earlier this year called Factory Girls, which is uh, written by this Chinese American uh, uh, writer for the Wall Street Journal, um, and she like goes uh, uh, back to China and um, and kind of follows the lives of these like migrant women, women who like moved out of rural. Um, China into like cities and factories and stuff kind of around Guangdong province. I think it's Guangdong province, the the one uh, that's kind of surrounding Hong Kong. And like, she, she's talking about her experiences, like coming to China and like, she gets that question a lot, like what's better China or America. <laughs> so I thought it was, it was funny to, to hear that in, in the movie. It's like a, a kind of question that, you know, foreigners get asked. I like that. I like the uh, the dinner table conversation where they had, where they, like, uh, I, I think it reveals a lot about like why they made the choices that they made and and the the reasons behind the the choices and the kind of tug that they feel. Where it's like, did I make the right choice? Where the the mother is talking about like, you know, what it's like in America and how like people are really like giving and generous and. Uh, but she's also yeah. like justifying a difficult choice that she made. Yeah, like that's all the that's all the stuff I'm talking about. Like it's it's so interesting and it's not something that we see a lot. I would mm-hmm. say. Um, so I think it's valuable stuff. Yeah. Next. Yeah. Okay, so that's me again. Number four for me uh, is a documentary. It's Honeyland. Um, have you guys seen that? Nope. Nope. Never heard of it, actually. Okay. Me either. Well, damn. Now that I wish I had seen Honey Boy. Just you know, just interjection. <laughs> <but>. uh, <laughs> yeah, that would have been <laughs> would have worked out nicely. Especially should have been your number four. Uh, but Honeyland is uh, it's a documentary about these, like, uh, the, well, specifically this, it, it centers around this uh, one woman who's a beekeeper in North Macedonia, kind of the Balkans, this, like, rocky region. Um, and 
she so so she's been like doing this since forever um she's got her mother to take care of her mother is like nearly incontinent um but they kind of just live in this stone hut uh very like rural poor um and she just like (laughs) tends to her bees the movie opens as she's like into this like stone wall uh she's doing it like all by hand without any equipment or anything just using um like a very old school um like this this like hand bellows thing um uh and uh and just like basically keeping bees through all the knowledge that's been passed down to her um no like fancy processes or anything uh and it's it's about her life and the the movie or the documentary um kind of uh, it highlights when this this family moves in and they're like different um ethnicities in north macedonia and the the woman uh uh is uh of turkic ancestry and this this family moves in and at first uh, into her neighborhood and at first uh she's like happy to see them they're also like turks and uh but then like they're also beekeepers and they are not as adept at it as her and so like they'll harvest more of the honey than they're supposed to from their beehives and so then the bees that they keep will like come over and steal honey from her hives and stuff so it becomes this like uh this fraught situation between her and her neighbors where uh you know they need to negotiate like who owns what and like you know how much you can um how much you can like push (laughs) your your luck with your with your neighbors before like things turn really sour um so the, the the movie itself is like really lyrical it's absolutely beautiful uh, like in the way that it's shot, it highlights uh, this like rocky, craggy landscape and makes it into you know something pretty beautiful. Um, it it has like lessons that it's able to draw out, like uh, the consequences for like your greed and like harvesting too much honey, um, and and what it's like to lose someone because uh, her her mother dies in the movie. And it's this pretty raw depic- depiction of, of grief. Uh, and, and so there's a lot to draw out from just like this, <laughs> this one life that someone's living in this like rocky outcropping in like this <laughs> small country of North Macedonia. Uh, but it, it, it's like completely poignant. She kind of forms a, a friendship with one of the children of the family that, that moves in. And so even as like her relations with that family are like, uh, going bad um she she still has this friendship with this boy who she's like teaching all these techniques of beekeeping and stuff uh, and, and so it's does a really good job of like highlighting the the beautiful uh and poignant elements of of her life while at the same time like acknowledging like <laughs> she's got a pretty harsh existence uh and it's also just like something i'd i'd never uh, uh seen before uh, it, it's just like plunges you or immerses you in this this world that you probably just were completely unaware of. Uh, 
So it's, it's very cool in that regard. And yeah, that's about it. Sounds like an exceptionally Dan movie to me. Both of these <laughs> oh. movies sound like exceptionally Dan movies. We haven't, we haven't even gotten started yet. We... <laughs> How much more Dan can they get? <laughs> oh, you'll see. Nobody's out here making more fucking Dan movies. Like <laughs> That's it. Well, uh, we, we shall see, I guess. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I definitely recommend it to you guys. You, you should you should check it out. Um, I watched the the trailer while you were talking with the sound off because <laughs> I'm respectful. <laughs> but yeah, it looks, it looks very beautiful. Yeah. Steven? Uh, all right, let's go back to IMDb. Uh, all right, I'll I'll go Joker for number four. What? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm all about those, you know, those dark horse plays. This is like the James K. Poke of my top five. All right. Well, why don't you justify it before <laughs> before uh, we we <laughs> we get into whether or not it should be. <laughs> Steve, I'm getting on a flight to Boston to physically challenge you in a fucking... <laughs> no, I mean, the reason why it's number four is because it incited incel riots all across <laughs> the Western world. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, I wish I had spent more time actually thinking about this, but as far as, like, genuine, you know, enjoyable cinematic experiences that I've had, like, dude, this movie is... Shot incredibly well. Joaquin Joaquin's performance is amazing. I think the uh, I think objectively speaking, like the worst points in the movie are all of like the Batman tie-in stuff, and like the I didn't mind the older like the asshole uh, Elder Wayne subplot, but all the stuff like surrounding Batman, I was not a huge fan of. Uh, definitely liked how they sort of played to the zeitgeist of like a lack of empathy, you know, going on uh, maybe presently and playing with a lot of those factors. Uh, and yeah, dude, I liked how much, like basically all of the like Scorsese influences on the movie and they're like a lot. It's basically taxi driver and king of comedy through and through. But um yeah, other than a couple things that I didn't super enjoy about it, I thought like from a cinematic standpoint, it's like it's like an at least an eight. Like it worked really well for me. Um, here's where I'll agree with you. I think it's a very functional film. I think okay. they set out to do X, Y, and Z, and I think like the pieces parts all fit to get you to like the to the, the conclusion that they want you to arrive at. I think it is, they, like, you know, show you X, you feel Y, and, like, as a result, Z can happen. Like, it is a functional movie. It is mechanically working. That's, that is as much as I will give you about you. Wow. I mean, I think that's... Oh, uh... and yeah, it's, it is it is shot, like, it is, it looks nice. Joaquin is a good actor. Sure. It's definitely more uh, like functional. It's so it's like saying it's utterly paint by numbers, which I don't think it is. But 
Dan, Dan, what do you I think? don't think point paint by numbers per se. I just mean like they want it to have this right. Like they're trying to get you to the the birth of the Joker uh, because of you know these underlying reasons and like he is encounters all these obstacles and you feel bad for him and like it, yeah. it is horrifying when it wants to be horrifying. It is you know you know but it's uh, also romantic or scary well. or like whatever. Like the scenes work. You know, it is functional. All right. The thing it wants to achieve, it achieves. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. My main issue with the movie is that, so it it kind of touches on all these like socio political um, themes, but it it kind of hammers home the the idea that like, you know, society has failed him that like, you know, people's callousness and disregard for, for him and their mockery of him and all that, like he makes him who he is. They, they, it's very single-minded in that approach. And even like, if you, you (laughs) like my number five movie, like wild rose, it, it has like a formula and stuff but because of like the main performance, you get this enormous tension between like, you know, it, what it means to like do the right thing. And like, yeah, you should follow your dreams, but like you shouldn't ignore the people around you and like hurt your, the, the people who depend on you. There's no, with, with the protagonist and the Joker, there's no like, like everyone's just like a fucking asshole to him. Like they invite yeah. him on this, on this talk show just to like make fun of him. Like what it, that, to me, like I, I didn't even buy that. Like they would do that. Like what, what <laughs> no, that was so unbelievable. The thing and, I, that I'll give you that one. I'll see that point, but like everything else is just so good about it. And when he's just getting shit on in studio, it's like actually kind of enjoyable. <laughs> but that's, I mean, I don't want to like directly attack this film. I'm fucking, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I disagree. I, I I question the artistic worth of this film. I don't see the points of it. <laughs> like it like is in, a... <laughs> in, in Taxi Driver, you are like genuinely like super uncomfortable with like Travis Bickle and his actions and stuff, and they play with that. They like you know. Uh, they play with like the consequences of him, like lashing out at society. Like, yeah, like people are shitty to him and stuff, but like, you know, he, he is like, takes that in in, like completely incorrect and like damaging and horrific like directions. Whereas like the movie itself, I I don't think like the movie really like grabs like his reaction to like society, like shitting on him and stuff. Like it's just so single-mindedly like focused on like, you know, like everybody's shitty to this guy. You've, you've made him who he is. Like it doesn't grapple it's, with like his own responsibility. It condemns everyone else. It like, it literally points the finger at society, at these people. And it says, look how bad they are. Look how mean they are to our, protagonist and isn't that terrible and shouldn't you feel bad and it's like fucking boohoo you know <laughs> jesus like, christ like fucking i just i i think it is so pathetic <laughs> i'm sorry 
I love that it's getting this reaction out of you guys. Well, but yeah, it's, like, it's, it's worth talking about. <laughs> let's talk about it. It's like, and what is the merit of this? It's like, yeah, this guy like has a really tough time, and really bad things happen to him, and he's very upset about it. Very like, like I get it. Like I don't think that's. I just don't see the the what what is the thrust of this film like what is the greater point we always arrive at, <laughs> at, at like, this moment i just don't i just don't reasons. get it like yeah it fucking sucks i agree <laughs> but it like but it but it is so self-important like it is it acts as if it has something to say it like uses iconography of the real things that happened in real life it uses like the racial charge of 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 things that have actually happened it uses like actual things in society that are happening currently and it says like it it acts like it is it is doing something with that but it is not it is it is intellectually lazy it is just it is like family guy it's like referencing things <laughs> and then saying like look what i did and it's so proud of itself but it, it's not doing anything it's just saying look so fucking what I, I think here, here's the I think here's the qualitative difference as far as our experiences of the movie is concerned. I think experientially the movie is actually a great ride. I don't disagree with you that it's like you know this is this this isn't like laying a stake in the ground for you know how how we should treat each other in a civil society or anything like that. But I also don't give a shit about that. But like, I, isn't I it so much more interesting to take? A- more nuanced like approach like like the taxi driver approach and i bring that up because like you know it, it kind of it, it kind of heavily uh, references it yeah. yeah heavily references scorsese and especially taxi driver but like it it would be so much more interesting if it like showed some nuance or showed some like vacillation what or, kind of nuance would you want to see i'd want to see like you know <laughs> I'd want to see either the movie or the character of the Joker like grapple with the like the ramifications of like him doing what he's doing and how like that what his reaction is like horrific. I and, and with that. <laughs> I don't think like the Joker should be grappling with any of any of that stuff. Hmm. But I I also don't think this film like it just if the film didn't act like the the climax was this grand apotheosis or something or like this dude but wasn't that this indictment of our current society then okay then fine like yeah it was a fun ride but it does act like that no i love how operatic that ending was it's like dude like dare dare to do some interesting shit with your movie and i love that about it i mean i'm fine with it if they had made like the characters around him like like his psychiatrist like if they had made them a little more sympathetic and like you you got a little more understanding into like why they're being like curt and like uh cruel to him like like I think that would elevate it a lot more. It, no, it, I I don't disagree with that. I think I interpret that as like the that's part of the world building where they're really trying to set the stage for like this particular uh, origin story. So on the one hand, it's like, could that have been more nuanced? Yeah, I don't disagree with you. But on the other hand, it's like we know exactly where we are, and we know he lives in like just like this shitty, rundown version of 1970s New York City. 
And I was mostly fine with that. I'm I'm kind of everything else into is it. so good. I'm kind of laying into it like I like I hated the movie. I didn't hate it, hated by it. I would say, but I didn't hate it. And like you Look, know, not I, one I, incel was hurt during the shooting <laughs> of this movie. I mean, look, the media's reaction to it is one thing. Delicious. Uh, but, like, I, I mean, I agree with Dan that, like, I didn't... Or, I know, I did hate it, but, like, <laughs> I guess I hate the, the... the I hate that it's being lauded as some sort of genius thing. I, like, don't get it at all. I think it is... I think it is so intellectually lazy. I don't think it's genius. I think it's exceptionally well made. Like it's yeah, it's I like agree. the well made film. Like I this is something that goes toe to toe with like Heath Ledger's Joker. You know, like let's not talk about like the philosophy of the Dark Knight or something like that. But that's the difference. There was underlying <laughs> philosophy to the Dark Knight. Sure. And there's there is almost nothing underneath this film. It is so. It is. It is all style, dude. And I, okay, I think that's yeah. That's the central difference. Like the style for me, love it. Like totally fine with it. As far as and it, like fine. I don't need like, I the philosophy no underneath. Yeah, I have no qualm with the style. Like they did a good job. Like it, it works. It totally works. But like it says fucking nothing. But it acts like it does. It makes me so angry. Does it act like it's really saying something? Yeah, it totally does. It's it is so proud of its like stance. That, mm. Yeah, it. Yeah, I, I I'd have I'd have to agree. Yeah, especially with the like ending. Like, if the ending had gone differently, I think I I would have seen like what it was trying to do like in a very different light. But the the ending just like kind of digs its heels into like this kind of sophomoric <laughs> philosophy and as like you know well that's what you get stuck with also the scene uh, with him on the talk show is like almost from a different film like that the character changes a lot and it it, it was disorienting to me and I, I don't think it was like good character work actually mm-hmm. like suddenly he starts He's just a very different character, I would say. And, like, I guess you could argue that he is, like... Yeah, but don't you remember the musical montage that happens right before that? (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of style. Yeah, I mean, I guess the argument that he, like, thus becomes the Joker, uh, and it becomes, like... Also, his points make no fucking sense while he's on the stage. It's just like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, just... I think there are some writing holes in that scene for sure. But I don't even fucking care because the style <laughs> is so good. Well, divisive, <laughs> divisive. <laughs> yes, I mean we've we've had divisive movies of Noah. I've I've been on the receiving end. I don't but want nothing, to you too too much. Nothing quite like the Western culture ending in Todd Phillips's Joker. <laughs> All right, let's 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 move on. Uh, uh, my fourth was Uncut Gems, so we talked about it. Already. Oh yeah, okay. Ooh. So back to me, number three. Uh, so number three for me. Talking about Dan movies. Uh, number three is. <laughs> The Lighthouse. 
<laughs> Fuck, I missed it. I'm so sad that I didn't get to see it. <laughs> I am sad, too. I really I'm wish sad. they had gone for it in the end. I'm also sad because I, I know, like, Steve has or like has different opinions or like liked it I think less than I did. Um but I'll quickly go over Are there why like I liked it. Actually spoilers that like I need to worry about or is, is I won't I won't spoil anything. But it, but are there like or is it just kind of like this atmosphere horror show? Uh, Pretty much that. <laughs> I I it's kind of it's it's difficult to say. I you know it, nah. <laughs> okay. So the movie itself is just pretty much like uh, two people who are attending a lighthouse on this like tiny island. Um, and uh, one of them has been there for a while. The, the other guy like, you know, just shows up. He's, he's very quiet, um, something of a mystery. Um, and, and then you have Willem Dafoe as this like, guy who won't shut up who like keeps talking and kind of lords his small amount of power over the other guy and they get on each other's nerves um and and it becomes as they uh, stay here longer and longer um they they start to unravel and uh become obsessed with uh, like things like uh their um their relationship like the the power dynamics in that relationship there's this like kind of sexual undercurrent um to to their uh relationship i mean they're basically like two guys who are alone for a long period of time uh and don't really have much of an outlet for that and they they kind of take their outlets uh in (laughs) perverse and weird ways uh, the the dialogue, like, I mean, you guys have seen The Witch, so you know, like, Robert Eggers does his dialogue, like, very, like, he researches, like, the, the dialogue of the period, and so it's it's very, like, uh, colorful, and uh, I particularly love that about it. It's just, like, full of these <laughs> hilarious and, and uh, super colorful imagery. Uh, uh, so ultimately like this movie is just like a a fucking wild ride um it plunges you into this this um this landscape and this period in time and this way of thinking and uh uh this madness um that that gets bubbles up through the whole thing and it and it just like it feels like the most cathartic experience you can go through. Um, but ultimately, like, th- this is a Dan movie. Like, you know, no ifs, ands, or buts about this. This is the kind of movie that I am interested in. You don't say. <laughs> and and I was, like, thinking about why that is. Like, I mean, why is it, like, I'm really interested in, like, historical movies and stuff. And, like, as someone who is interested in history most of the movies that we make take place in this like small sliver of human history. And it's kind of frustrating to me that like, we aren't more expansive in that, like, you know, human, all the human stories and stuff that have existed <laughs> up until now, like someone's got to give them their due. And it, it's, it's so fun and 
um, refreshing to me when when someone does just like plunge you into this historical narrative that feels like it was out of this like you know 1800s uh, uh, <laughs> book of ghost stories. Uh, yeah, I, there's not much uh, else to say. Uh, it, it's definitely kind of has this H.P. Lovecraft vibe to it. Uh, Willem Dafoe's uh, character is just like so over the top and and fantastic. You know, it, <laughs> uh, the like curses and stuff that he rains down upon like uh, uh, his his companion are just like the most. <laughs> insanely fun things to hear uh and uh it it i don't think the ending is as good i won't i won't like get into any spoilers i don't think it lands the ending which did so i don't think it's as good as the witch but um it nevertheless like the the whole ride is you know fantastic and and i loved it so yeah steve what did you think I like okay so basically everything Dan said uh you know it was good I really liked it Willem Dafoe stole the show Robert Pattinson I liked I just wish it had gone for it in the end it's like it gave me this Promethean ending that I was like ugh how quotidian when it could have just given me like a Natalie Portman annihilation type ending where it's like yo what the fuck like a little like Mandy Mm -hmm. Like a little Mandy kind of ending, like they could. I was really hoping that a Kraken would be released at some point, <laughs> and I was disappointed to find that that was not the case. Yeah, I think and I felt robbed. I think there is kind of like that the promise that gets built up throughout the movie doesn't isn't quite equal to the payoff, uh, or like the the payoff doesn't match the promise. And when I was thinking about like the witch, like the witch succeeds it in some ways it's a similar ending to the the witch but the witch succeeds because like it's this like apotheosis of these not only these themes that have been brought up but like the character's journey Uh, and and it it makes sense from a character perspective whereas i i didn't feel like this landed it 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 worked fine in terms of like metaphysical like themes but it was it, it didn't have like the character dimensions that the witch did. And I think that's why ultimately it's not as, as good. Yeah. Like I got the reason. ending that I wanted out of the witch, but like everything, I think the movie sets itself up for a different kind of ending than the one that ends up happening. It just gets like way. It's like, okay, I guess, you know, I guess we're Homer's odyssey now. Okay. All right. Thanks Robert Eggers. <laughs> Thanks, for but that. but aren't there aren't there some like really great scenes like the scene where dancing? No, dude, they're fantastic. Like Willem Dafoe deserves like eight Oscars for that <laughs> whole movie. Yeah, and like the interaction's great, but like I think they could have cut down a little bit on some of the interaction and then you know delivered on like they. Ca- I wanted like some HP Lovecraft level shit. Yeah, that's that's totally fair. That's totally fair. And it's just like nope, Prometheus. <laughs> Yep. So that's my number three. Cool. I'm sorry I missed it. I'll need to. I need to catch up on that one for sure. I loved The Witch. So. Yeah. Um. All right. My. Or wait. Sorry. Steve's next. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, am I? All right. Okay, so my next one's Irishman, I guess, for obvious reasons. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it is not. It is not on my list. <laughs> it is not obvious to me. <laughs> Did you see the Irishman? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just being a dick. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, you know, they're all going to be dead soon. They did a bang-up job. <laughs> it's four, fucking four hours long, and it, I never felt like it was dragging at any point. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there you go. And the de-aging was fine. It, yeah, they did do a good job with that. I think the, the points where you could note, where you noticed it the most were, like, the, the full body shots where like mm-hmm. people were walking because yeah. they kind of walked like old people. <laughs> Every yeah. time they did it to Pesci, I'm like, ooh, he's, he just doesn't have a face for de-aging. <laughs> <laughs> Pesci was so good in it. I'll he say was. That. Yeah, I mean, everyone was. was very good in it, to be clear, but I really loved uh, Pesci's performance. Like, the fish scene, like, you knew, like, five seconds into that scene that you were like, oh, shit, this is gonna, like, it's the fish scene. Amazing. Uh, um, Steve, I liked you... it. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I'm just curious, Steve, what you thought of the like kind of extended ending? Did you like that? Uh, so that's basically like you're talking about when Action Bronson is talking to Robert De Niro in the movie, <laughs> sell, selling him a casket and like all of the all of that. Mm-hmm. And like his conversation or attempted conversation daughters and just like his kind of meandering through these old places uh i was fine with it i mean it did it wasn't like lord of the rings level endings it's like you know you're watching an elegy like you know that the the entire movie's focus is about like uh you know reflecting as a as an old man on like whatever you know roided out testosterone bullshit uh, you thought you were doing for a purpose and realizing, oh, it's actually, you know, nothing. So it's like, it's an interesting uh, way to end Scorsese's run of gangster films, you know, him being like the preeminent gangster filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I mean, I 100% agree with what Steve said. Uh, yeah, I love, I love the film. It was very close to being on my list. Um, uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, I, I was just going to say, I brought up the. I think that uh, I read that Scorsese he didn't want to do like another mob movie, but he he kind of decided to because he wanted to create that ending where like the guy has to meditate on like all his past misdeeds and, and like the sins he's committed and stuff, and that was for like Scorsese, like something that he really wanted to explore and was personal to him you know, after he's, like, made so many movies about, like, shitty people and, <laughs> like, gangsters and um, uh, violent people, like, he it, he wanted to be able to kind of explore the, the, the ramifications of that and um, the fact that you have to live with yourself. If you survive it, you have to live with yourself. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's kind of what I loved about it the most, is uh-huh. like is that it is the I love it for him to have done it. Yep. But I don't like I I don't love the movie. I think as much as I love that he came to this conclusion and made a movie about it, and like mm-hmm. this is his final 
you know, meditation on the topic. I think that is amazing. But I don't think I loved the movie quite as much as I love that. Yeah. I thought Al Pacino did a fantastic job in the movie. Dude, Pacino. Uh, Joe Pesci did did a great job too, but like Al Pacino fucking knocked it out of the park in that movie. Like every scene that was in, like you, you felt the weight of his position, like as a as this like leader of this this union, um, and like the fact that he's like trying to be tr- trying to um, manage all this shit while at the same time like he's got this big ego and he and he like this is very personal to him and like, he doesn't want to give it up because like he has a, an emotional attachment to it even when, like, he absolutely should give it up. <laughs> dude, I also watched Heat the again the other day, and, like, dude, Pacino, fuck. Oh, yeah. Like, some of the lines that Pacino drops in the Heat are just like, she's got a bigger! <laughs> <laughs> and you got your head stuck up! <laughs> like, the guy's amazing. He's a treasure. Yeah. Him and De Niro Actually. back at it. Yeah, I mean, that's, I don't know. I just, everyone was great in it. It was well, like, I don't know. It was just, uh, it was just over long. Yeah, maybe. It was like between him and, uh, fucking Tarantino. It's just like, it was like a real indulgent year this year. You know, I was sitting in the Irishman expecting, like, to have it feel like it was over long at some point, but it didn't. Like it didn't. I didn't get that sensation. With Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, though, I was like, "Get me out of here!" Like I'm done with this movie. <laughs> I'm yeah. I think like it probably was too long. It didn't feel near as like <laughs> it was um, because I do think it was like pretty like well maintained quality through the whole thing. But I do think it could have like uh, benefited from from chopping it down a little bit more i don't think it's as good as like goodfellas or his like well especially goodfellas goodfellas is like the easy comparison to it um but i i did really enjoy it and i did really enjoy that he took a different tack with this and like with that ending and and um kind of explored different themes next uh, my third of the year is 1917. Oh, dude, Wait, get really? this off the list. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, dude, that wow. movie's that movie's oh, fucking I garbage. Really not having seen it. <laughs> oh, you haven't seen it? No, I haven't seen it. Dan or uh, Steve, you saw it, right? And you just dude, when it. Sam Mendes got best director for that at the Golden Globes, I just want like I just wanted to vomit. Uh, yeah, I, I think in retrospect, uh, I would probably move Uncut Gems into third and move Uncut or uh, 1917 to fourth. But can we do that now? <laughs> can we just make that move now? Can we just uh, move sure. it off? We can, we can retroactively do that. Uh, but yeah, 1917. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's like uh, it's totally uh, an incredible work. Like uh, formally, it is very impressive. I was uh, very much like Uncut Gems. I was stressed the entire time, um, and I think it 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 does it 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 is very smart in the way that it 
me like mediates uh the stress and like the small moments and the beautiful moments and the um man dan i wish you'd seen it uh i don't want to say anything because i think there are some real dan elements to it to be quite honest <laughs> Oh yeah. Um, I mean it is absolutely <laughs> stunningly gorgeous. It is the most beautiful film of the year. Um hmm. and there's like some quiet moments that are very poignant. There's some big moments that are terrifying. Um and it's it, it and there's some big moments that are very beautiful too. Um I really don't want to ruin anything for you, Dan, but um yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. I saw, I've seen it twice now, actually. Jesus, not, not because, not because, uh, it was just I ended up seeing it. But uh, on seeing it a second time, um, yeah, it just confirmed how like it's there are some really special moments in it. That's all, dude. Men's is half Portuguese, and I'm not even willing to give a pass <laughs> on this one. Holy what did shit. you dislike? What was your what's your issue? Yes, I mean, as far I hated the writing of it, and everything just felt so stilted from like a writing and acting standpoint. I hated like Tommen from Game of Thrones. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't enjoy his acting at all. I really pre- much preferred the other guy. And like the movie, yeah, well, like the the consi- like the okay, I look technically one shotters. Like you know, they're really hard to do. Blah blah. I get that, but it's like. So much of the scripting just felt like it was um, like a video game, like an extended video game cutscene with a yeah, couple I think quick time events. My biggest uh, problem with it as well. Yeah, like Mark Strong shows up, and I'm like, can we just have him in the movie now? And like, not whatever the <laughs> fuck is going on right here. And then uh, what else? I thought the the cinematography. I don't think it gets impressive until that, like the second half of the movie, like that nighttime. Sequence oh, I, I with mean, the shadows. Sequence is like the the most insane thing you're gonna see this year. Yeah, dude, that's Deacon's flexing. Like, it is literally so Deacon taking his giant camera dick out and smashing the table with it. Yeah, <laughs> like you literally can't come close to me. But like, there's nothing that remarkable about the cinematography in the first half of the movie, and it's like uh, I disagree, actually. All right. I mean, on what level? On what level? I mean, I, I, if you've heard interviews with Deacons and they go through some of the shots, like the stuff that they have to do to make it all work is insane. I mean, yeah, that bunker that he goes into and he talks to Colin Firth. Uh, the entire bunker is it comes apart in pieces because the camera is so big. They have to slide it over the table and rotate it, and they have to remove entire portions of it so that the camera can move in, inside the space and then come back out. Like, yeah, but that's all technical it, bullshit. It's like, yeah, well, that's amazing. Oh, like, okay, okay. Like, they need to run around with a steady cam and move some stuff. Okay, that's but like, like but way, it doesn't really look that great. It's just you know they have. But to it's move all the like camera. intentional motion. Like the, the 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 motion that it makes is like it's like very thoughtful. Like it follows them and then it turns back around as it reveals information. Like it's and then you get the setup for the next thing and then it rushes you out it's like it's very it's all very thoughtful and intentional i don't know it just felt like the second half of long day's journey into night the first <laughs> Jeez. uh i know i mean my biggest gripe with it is that it has the video game 
stuff as well. It's it just feels so stilted video gamey to me. Like I remember playing like I had a better experience playing like the original Call of Duty on PC as a kid than I did watching this movie. Like, I mean, I, that I, was I more the, the thing is, like, that is, I think, Mendez trying to give you a break from, like, the raw, like, white knuckle, you know. Stress. But that's the thing. I also didn't feel the tension in it. I think really? For those, yeah, I think for those reasons. Because the writing and, like, the stilted acting just were not allowing me to, you know, actually enjoy whatever, I guess, the emotional experience he was trying to create was. Man, I thought... I think George McKay, who plays the not Tommen guy, I think his acting is really good, and I think he gets totally oh, he's, overlooked. He's much better than Tommen, I but I think an incredible job. He does the best he can do with like a bad script, in my opinion. And, then there, and there's just so many because of the, like that one shot aspect of the movie. There's all of these coincidences that have to line up that I just don't like. I could I couldn't buy into like the milk. And like, you know, that French, the French lady and like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know. And part way through, I'm like, dude, if this is six miles, can't they just get a fucking plane? Like, <laughs> like what, like, what are we doing here? Oh God. I don't have a response to that. Cause that's ridiculous. But uh, yeah, I mean the milk thing I agree with. Yeah. And then it's just like, oh no, I got to go save. It's like a little cute. Yeah. Like there are some cute moments, but like, I think that, on the whole, it is there's more beauty in it than like raw like beauty in it that uh, than any of my gripes. So only worth it for the nighttime shot into into like the forest scene, and I didn't even mm. like the singing in the forest scene. I, was I think like, no, but I think that it is that sequence into the the climax is really stellar. Like Ugh. the climax is that. I, I mean, I, I don't want to say anything and ruin it for Dan, but it is, yeah. it's very good, I think. And I just, and then they had other Game of Thrones guy at the very end. I'm like, get me out of here. Who's yeah, like, hey, Rob Stark. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, but like everything after, like the nighttime sequence right before the singing, because I thought the singing part was like so fucking contrived. But yeah, anyway. Oh, well, um, I'll definitely check it out and let you guys know what side I come down on, I guess. Damn, I like this 1917 Joker, like, head-to-head <laughs> going on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've had, I think, a lot of our picks we've uh, agreed on, and then some of them have been divisive, <laughs> for sure. There is this, like, like, there's, like, a chapter version of it, right? Like, I agree that there's a, there's a strange storytelling style to it there is something contrived about it i like the what i like the most is when it started like going into this sort of like magical realist like mystical kind of phase in the second half yeah like, dude, that's what i'm saying but that's i think night scene dude other movies do it better than that though like if you ever watch come and see uh you know if you ever want to brush yourself up on some of the best soviet era filmmaking and like the best <laughs> the best war film ever yeah. made in my opinion like it, it just doesn't quite it doesn't go for it i wish like it had gone like so magical realist in the end that like you know i'd be watching like billy pilgrim by the end of it or some shit like that but it was just like eh 
Deacon's flexed. Was that a Slaughterhouse Five reference? It was, yeah. <laughs> like Deacon's flexed. We know he can flex. Night sequence <laughs> was great. The writing and the stiltedness, video gaminess was like bleh. I just think it's like it is told as if it, it it is shown to you as if it is stories being told to you a little bit, and I think that that's what feels strange to you. And I have less of an issue with that. It didn't feel quite like that. It just felt bad. No. Agree to disagree. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. uh, Should we move on to number two? Yes. Okay. um, I wouldn't actually be completely surprised if we both had uh, the same movies for one and two. Um, Me too. But my number two is Little Women. Is that on either of you guys's? Yeah, it's my number two, and now I, I am I assured that your number one is the same as mine. <laughs> uh, sorry, Steve, did you say it was it was or was not on your list? It came close to entering it, but I went with a bit more of a Steve option. Okay, fair enough. Uh, curiouser and curiouser. <laughs> I mean, Little Women. I I fucking fell in love with that movie when I saw it. Uh, there's something like really warm and homey about it uh, that is is just extremely attractive, especially in like a year of films about like murder and madness and war and, and super tense movies. And, and like this this movie uh, really endeared itself to me. The I loved the the way the 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 kind of the the daughters the little women are presented as uh these archetypes in the beginning you know they've got these strong personalities and then as the movie goes on they the movie fleshes them out and and they become more nuanced and interesting and you start to uh figure out the reasons for why they do the things that they do uh, I mean that's that's like the experience of like getting to know like someone in real life and mm, and so yeah. In that sense, it like <laughs> the characters become really uh, you become attached to the characters as it goes on. Um, I I loved. Um, I, did you guys read Little Women growing up? Nope. Okay, I think like this is my first experience with the story. I haven't seen any of the other. Okay, ones. I, I want to say that like I came across it at some point, but I honestly have no recollection. I think it's like a, a staple of like like upper midwest or new england uh <laughs> like so the the culture of that cuz I had it read to me I think multiple times growing up um that being said like it Look kind at of my little women <laughs> my girls my little women that totally <laughs> ruined my uh immersion Bob Odenkirk was That's why it's not a bit of a sore spot <laughs> in that movie <laughs> If they just fucking made error. Chris Cooper or something like the, the dad. It's like Polly Shore just showing up out of nowhere. I'm like, yo, Greta, what the fuck is going on here? Like, that's the thing is, like, Bob Odenkirk isn't a fantastic actor, but it's just impossible for him to be in this movie. I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that, sadly. Look how much you've grown. My girls, my little women. <laughs> Even the it's way he delivers that one. 
it's the it's the it's because the entire film's like build builds up to this this character. Yeah, punched <laughs> up. So where much. is the dad? Who is he? What's his deal? Is he dead, dead or dying? And then he appears and he <laughs> like fall steps through the door. And... <laughs> You're like Bob, You're like, uh, what? I'm expecting like Daniel Day Lewis by the time like he actually ends up showing up, and I'm like, uh, what? Um, so Greta Greta Gerwig, uh, you know, this was like a very personal book for her, like growing up. Um, she said that when she like read the novel as an adult, um, Amy was the one who struck me as having the most like interesting things to say and having the most like clear-eyed view of the world. Uh, she says, I think I started uh, seeing her as this equally potent character to Joe. And I really do like what, what she did with that character of Amy, who is kind of like Joe's antagonist in the book. And, and like this person who uh, <laughs> a lot of readers dislike because she like takes Joe's spot going to Europe. She like burns her manuscript. She like marries Laurie. But the movie like really does justice to that character, and Florence Pugh gives like uh, this amazing performance uh, and balances her like childishness and her like uh, uh, sense of like impending adulthood and and that all that really well. So I love the character of Amy. I also really like Joe's uh, uh, character, Saoirse Ronan, is like fantastic actress. Uh, it the, the performances were. Almost uh, all very, <laughs> very, uh, very good. Uh, yeah, Marmy, Marmy was so good. Lord yeah, Dern. Lord Dern, fucking amazing. Um, yeah, I uh, I really like what you ha- what you said about like how you sort of slowly got to know them was was like getting to know them in real life, and yeah, I became extremely attached to them and like their little micro society that they had in that little town or square. I don't even know what would you call that village? Um, but like yeah, their little like New England like, village. Yeah. Uh, I became like so endeared to them. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was like so warm and there's so much humanity in, in every like little scene, like everything was so densely populated with little markers of humanity it was really delightful mm-hmm. uh, and it and so like then when the opposite happens it, it is so painful um when when, Bob sad, <laughs> when when sad things happen um also the dialogue is incredible um mm-hmm. and i've heard yes. the way that greta wrote the script is wild like she puts little markers in the script for when one character speaks and then the other person speaks over them and then had them mm. practice so that the dialogue overlaps at exactly the right moment. That's Ooh, I like that. Amazing. Yeah, that's dope. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is, it is, it's such a satisfying film. I, I don't know. I really loved it. Um, and yeah, everybody felt like live, real live characters and people to me. I think in in debt to what you were saying, Dan. Yeah, I, yeah, I love <laughs> I love the movie. It was uh, just such I felt just like glowing after I went. <laughs> yeah, same. I was like, it's the only film that I was sad to have like be leaving, like yeah. really, like legitimately sad. Like I was mourning <laughs> having to leave. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. 
Next. All right, surprise Jesus. us with your number two. It's you. Oh, it's me? Oh, dude. Y'all didn't think I was going to leave Florence hanging, did you? No. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, dude, it's mid-Somar. Let's <sighs> I haven't seen it. Oh, fuck. I know the Wait. plot though, actually, so you can you can talk openly. How have you still not seen? Just missed it, dude. I just missed it. Oh my goodness! Man. I mean, this I missed like... the lighthouse too. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, damn. Yeah, fair point. Yeah, dude, this is like the most Steve movie I think that came out in 2019. Uh, let's see. What do I need to say about it? I mean, I, I think the way it goes for like the. This like this pagan occult thing, uh, and how well they set up. Um, okay, my brain's going like Fritzy right now. And you're talking about how they set up the the like <laughs> the premise of them like these sacrifices. Sorry, and- I'm just fixated on Florence Pugh. <laughs> <laughs> Close whatever tabs you have open. You. <laughs> you don't want to know what tabs I have. <laughs> uh, I, I I did really like the um, the build up in that movie. The the like the okay, way they yeah. slowly unpeel the the like layers of this bizarre Dude, that ten minute prologue at the very beginning of like as well. Like that initial image is like the entire movie compressed into that one image. Then you have that like really gut wrenching prologue and then immediately Holy shit, that was a rough like depiction yeah. of grief that that was yeah and then the, the portrait of this like coll- like undergraduate graduate relationship between i forget what the the dude's name is and then Florence Jack Pugh Rainer. yeah Jack Rayner it's like you can start to see all of the little cracks in that relationship and how how much he is like sort of like in it out of it and how and how purely invested she is i loved all of those interactions and then like you have the, the scene with all of his friends where he's like dude you gotta get out of this relationship bro like it's total like we're going to sweden it's dragon stuff and then like they eventually end up like he feels maybe his one genuine emotion is feeling like well it's actually not even a genuine emotion like i think he invites her simply because of like you know how fucking awful the, the prologue of that movie is and doesn't actually want her there. And you just see like this relationship completely break down against the backdrop of like this uh, occult pagan society that ba- basically like distributes its grief as one organism. So it's like she, she gets, they're all inducted into this, uh, into this culture. And she's the only one that fix that fits because of uh like that 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 shared experience that quality of shared experience versus everyone else who's just like so either out to lunch or like in it for themselves love that and then there's also just amazing occult like just like crazy shit like people jumping off stuff and busting their heads wide open and like you know there's like a retard that is like the the patriarch of this entire society that's amazing yeah, I think Florence Pugh really holds the thing together. Like, I think she deserves a lot of credit for it. Um, I, because her journey, like, it, it's really all her. Like, the the other characters and stuff are 
like very much secondary to, to what she's experiencing and what she's undergoing and how it's affected by her landing in the middle of this bizarre fucking Scandinavian cult. Uh, I think I ultimately liked um, the lighthouse more for like a lot of Dan reasons, but this, this one, uh, (laughs) we've we've backed you into this categorization. Yeah. I'll I'll accept it. I'll accept it. We we all know what time it is. (laughs) But, uh, but the movie itself, uh, like Midsommar, it's, uh, it, it does a lot to you. Like be- between the like the the opening and that like horrific depiction of grief and like loss and like the 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 way that um that and that is, ending man like yeah the way that ties into the opening like fits really well uh the processing of of grief and catharsis and and letting go and uh that's all it all comes full circle in a really neat and satisfying way. God, Keith, please watch this as soon as possible. <laughs> Don't watch the director's cut, though. Watch the theatrical. Really? Oh, did you see the director's cut? I haven't seen it. Uh, no. I saw, like, some YouTube clips of it. Hmm. And, like, there's one... I'm not going to mention why, but I just prefer... I think the theatrical is probably the, the best way to go. Right. Yeah. I mean, I didn't come out of the movie thinking like this should have been longer or something i i did <laughs> and then i watched some of the clips and i was like you know what it was it was perfect the first time Interesting. yeah i had heard good things about the director's cut it, it's a very petty reason why i'm saying like to go with the theatrical but yeah got it let me ask a question. Did you guys feel like the, I mean, I don't, I didn't see it obviously, but I read a little bit about it. Did, did you feel like there was a good sense of catharsis at the end? Like, oh, dude. A hundred yeah. billion percent. Yes. Yeah. All right. I'm curious. As far as cathartic endings go, that movie is just like maybe one of the best cathartic endings I've, like, I've seen. All right. Sorry. I missed it. And the lighthouse. Fuck. Uh okay, number one. Do the we best. do we all have? Well, I get to trigger this, you guys. If you guys also have it as your number one, which I think you might. Is it? Uh, <laughs> do you guys also have Parasite as your number one? I do. No, I have Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have Parasite. <laughs> Okay, so I'll, I'll quick say something about this movie, uh, and I'm going to start with the fact that it's fucking easily the best like shot movie of the year. Like, well, this is 1917, but that's fine. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, that I've seen, I guess, caveat, but the, the cinematography is just fucking masterful. The way it's lit, the way the, the scenes are composed, um, it does a, a fantastic job of, like, the, the camera work does a fantastic job of like heightening tension, uh, making thematic points. Like the way, like the when the characters, when the the kids are like hid under the the table, and yeah. then you have the like the the family uh, or the the parents of the the rich family above them who are like you know starting to like have sex, Finger banging, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like 
not only is that scene like phenomenally tense, but like just the the way it's composed is like so cool with them like being under the table and like being under uh you know just right under the 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 feet of the the other characters if they like were able to notice also like what a maniacal film like the conceit of the the lead up to that which is that they come home early from their trip and she wants for, like ramen for dinner <laughs> like uh-huh. that like scramble like the entire conceit of that is so like fucking yeah super original just like yeah, a just pleasure like... to see play out um it's super funny too like and I- i'm gonna be honest with you guys uh like i haven't really liked uh bong joon ho's movies up until this this point like i didn't really wow. care for snowpiercer that take much. it back i bold. didn't really care for the host that much bold but stupid i like it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it this movie felt for me like the like the favorite like like jorgen jorgen Tos's oh. movies you know what i agree with that up until then like I, I felt like this is where his all his like uh best instincts and stuff come into play and like craft this fantastic movie but uh, the movies before that, I, I think there, I, I had a lot of issues with them, mostly in terms of like plotting, because um, I think even in this movie, he has a ten- tendency to skip over stuff he just doesn't think is important, or to like not explain stuff, and and most of, most of the time that's fine and that works. But there are certain elements um, where I think that's a little jarring, um, and uh, and. But overall, like this movie is like a massive work of filmmaking. Uh, it's it's was so enjoyable to to watch. Yeah, my only gripe is like the the very ending, where it just felt like ugh, I, I'm yeah. not in love with how it ends. I felt like it could have ended earlier, but say more, say more about that. What what immediately preceded the like the final ending where the son's just like writing letters and sending Morse code to his dad who's still in that house? It's like the whole thing where it's like, oh, eventually I'll work well, to buy had, the like, house. Court and... Scenes of the court case and stuff. Right. So what is your problem right, with right. that though? It just felt like too chintzy to have the the son like eventually end up buying the house and then like them reuniting like that see i interpret that completely differently which is that it is not it is false that that is not what is actually happening that that is all fantasy and they will never he will never be able to do that it's impossible like the entire conceit of the film is that they are inextricably like linked to their cast and he will never go beyond where he is he can only fantasize about it and it's like hmm, okay. there and like the entire yeah like the entire conceit of it is is like look how painting look how terrible it is that this guy thinks that he's gonna be doing this and he's definitely not going to be doing yeah. it dan is that what you got out of it uh i actually i i do remember thinking that about the ending or like you know you know how tied to reality is this guy or is this guy like uh you know deluding himself but um the ending was probably the weak point for me in the movie and i think it's it's because of what i said like 
where he the the director doesn't he, he doesn't always like explain stuff or like I think he does stuff that he assumes like we're all with him uh, as to like the reasoning or like you know why this is in here and like a lot of the Morse code stuff like w- what did you guys take away from that like all the Morse code stuff because to me it I I felt like I was missing something that I. I just thought there were enough preposterous like things that had already occurred in the movie, which is why it didn't trigger me to think that like, Oh, maybe this is just like a full on delusion that he's having at the end of the movie. So I just kind of felt like, Oh, this just, this just comes off as chintzy. But even if it is the case where it's just a pure delusion, maybe there's something to be said about maybe it could have been done more effectively or maybe just removed entirely. That's kind of where, the way I, I really like I really liked it because I, I felt like it went to the, the 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 theme of like that capitalism sells this false hope and you know this guy is still despite all the horrors that he's seen still buying this like false mm. there mm-hmm. that he will overcome his place in life despite everything that he will be welcomed into polite society that he will have the perfect ending that he will live the dream like it won't happen and that's like and of course it's never going to happen because this guy's fucked and that's like the whole point the whole like sad truth of the movie Mm. i like that i like that i just don't feel like it actually plays interesting in that way in the movie I feel like that's a big, I mean, it's not a big leap to make. I just did not get that sensation while watching it. Got it. I, I um, mean, yeah, it, it's minor stuff, but like the, the Morse code and like the guy who was always pissing like <laughs> right next to their house, um, certain, certain stuff like that. I just like, I felt like I was missing something or I think like they, they uh, skipped. Uh, for the for the Morse code, you mean the guy who like bangs his head every day on the thing to like flash the Morse? No, code? It's, they use like flashlight Morse code towards the yeah, end. Yeah, at the at the very end, yeah. Where he's just like communicating. His dad is communicating. Oh yeah, I just totally take that as like part of the fantasy. Yeah, I think the the part where the guy's banging his head is like yeah, that's like. I don't know, some sort of part of the deranged yeah. <laughs> nature of the film. But yeah, the yeah, end was just fantasy for me. God, that that scene, I think like the 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 best or like the heart of that film was this where the family comes home early, um, and they and just like everything at that point is spiraling out of control. They found out about the the housekeeper keeping her husband in the basement, and like so much is going on. But like at no point uh, are you lost, or does it become like a tangle? Like it's just this like masterful juggling of of all these mm-hmm. <laughs> different elements that are all coming to a head. Like that that right there is like fantastic filmmaking. Yeah, and it's like it's so much. It's thriller. It's horror. It's comedy. It's yeah, it's, uh, it's legitimately very funny. Yeah, kind of playing uh, on the insecurities of the of the the rich mother. Yeah, and that's that is actually something that I really appreciated about the film is it is not uh, super sentimental about like these or like you know super uh, right. 
Yeah, like uh, overly sappy about like this this sad poor life that these people live, mm-hmm. and it's also not like super accusatory of the the rich people, where it's mm-hmm. like look how like you know horrible they are. Like they're kind of they're horrible in a different way. It's like this much more insidious horribleness mm-hmm. that then you know what then the Joker a lot a lot better than that fucking film. <laughs> Fuck the Joker. <laughs> Bringing it back around. Dude, they like didn't even move the camera in the Joker and the cinematography was better than 1917. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with everything uh, that this, this film is phenomenal. Uh, basically, I would say that I saw the movie and it totally fucked me up for the rest of the night. Uh, <laughs> like, it literally, it, 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 it got under my skin. Like, it it wiggled its way into my brain like a fucking insect, mm-hmm. and I just I felt nauseous after seeing it. Uh, I was like, like a parasite, disg- perhaps. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just absolutely disgusted uh, by myself. Yeah, by, like my life, by like everyone around me, <laughs> like everything that I did. I was just like, this is I live a disgusting life. This is horrible. Uh. But like it was, it was great. It was also, you know, it was beautiful. It was funny. I don't know. It, it played like all these different energies so perfectly. So, yeah, I think it is very impressive filmmaking. Yeah, I like, think it's that... all thematic. Like, there's so many interesting visuals of like the above and below, and like the 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 water and like the filth, and I don't know. It's just it was so. It's just a smart movie. Yeah. I think that Bong Joon-ho is is similar to Stanley Kubrick in that he like has this interesting vantage point where he like most people look at these these kind of stories and stuff from a particular perspective, very human perspective, but I think like Stanley Kubrick, he he like views it from a little bit like a, of an off-kilter vantage point where the he sees the characters not just as like human beings, but also as like uh, these, I mean, the, the title of the film is like, he, he sees them as almost like not like from this non-human perspective where they're like uh, scraping about uh, on this like planet that they've landed on and behaving in these, these weird idiosyncratic ways. Um, And it's, and he kind of brings you into that viewpoint. So like, for instance, if you like if you kiss someone um and then you see that played back to you without like the the moment being there and the endorphins and the hormones and everything like you see it differently mm-hmm. um and and it maybe looks like not as appealing or not as yeah. uh, romantic as as you remember it but like seeing it from this different viewpoint like you you notice things that are kind of like ugly or like not like non-human like the way that your like skin like uh brushes against someone else's skin like you notice those kind of things and i think like that i think that's very present in this movie you're like viewing these people's lives uh, from this like weird vantage point that like lets you see it in a way that uh you you wouldn't have seen it if like someone else had di- had directed it mm-hmm. 
don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to explain, but yeah. No, I totally get what you mean. I agree. Yeah. He's able to decontextualize it mm-hmm. and yeah, allow you to examine it in a different way. I totally agree. Cool. Cool. I think Parasite's going to win. Mm. I don't know. I It has some good momentum. Yeah, it does. Definitely. But it does seem like a pretty weird pick for the Academy. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the most. That's one of the most interesting things about it is like all these rich people fucking love it. <laughs> like, yeah. Elon yeah, right. Musk was like, "I fucking Parasite was the best film of the year." <laughs> like, bro, did you see it? Were you paying attention? Like, what did he get from this film? I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. All right, and well, before before I like like we we all go our separate ways, I will say spend time talking about it, but I do just want to make note of the fact that my uh, favorite piece of entertainment was in fact uh, from 2019 was uh, not a movie. It was a TV show, and that TV show is Fleabag. And you guys, sure. oh dude, I watched Fleabag. Oh, I you did? It. I did. You guys did. I see, dude. I like how we all just independently watched Fleabag. <laughs> What'd you think, dude? I love Fleabag. Phoebe's a genius. Yeah, I was low key crushing the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that fucking show is amazing. Like, uh, it's tremendously like witty and like also super vulnerable and like insightful. And <laughs> that the second season, especially, just like the her relationship with the like the priest uh it's just so good well the thing about it is like in the same way that uncut gems is experientially about like you know just like addiction fleabag is basically ptsd yeah he's desperately trying to avoid like situations in which anything about like you know her, her gerbil coworker comes up in any context <laughs> and because she was also like the catalyzing uh, force behind that that whole thing. It's just like, oh, yeah. It 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 definitely got me. Like I felt a lot for her, uh, a lot of things for her frustration to like <laughs> wanting her to be happy. And her sister, her sister is such a great character. Like <laughs> such a Dude. like weird, funny, and like also very sympathetic character her bowl cut amazing <laughs> yeah oh my god and her husband oh, dude her husband is oh my dude <laughs> everything is amazing like olivia coleman just like with the she's just like this manipulative like matriarch but also has a good relationship with the dad apparently it's just like dude yeah she's like so mean and like <laughs> yeah. she's so i don't know the, the way like, that everything catty, is like way yeah. it's so, it's she's so well written every like ugh, it is the dialogue is phenomenal and it's just so well plotted yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Bag was great um what what did you guys miss this year Obviously, I missed those two movies, but I also missed Marriage Story. Did anyone actually see that? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't watch it, that. and I probably won't. What? Really? Marriage Story is really good. That's is it a- essential, though? Like, is it essential? 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> essential like, to movie viewing or essential to, to 2019 or I mean, essential to like, you know, should I prioritize it over other movies that I haven't seen? That's basically what I'm saying. Uh, I don't know. It's definitely up there with, like, that's up there with, uh, well, you you saw pretty much everything, didn't you? Uh, I mean, ish. I mean, I feel like I only saw, like, 30 movies this year or something. But... Week. Yeah. I know. I mean, I don't want to watch Kylo Ren and Black Widow just like talk about this. <laughs> they're they're both like really good in the movie. It's also got Laura Dern in it. <laughs> Dude, can we talk about how bad Rise of Skywalker was? Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's what a disappointment. Oh no, you're gonna have to wipe my memory, and then you know, ten minutes later, it's back, and Chewbacca's dead, but he's not dead. <laughs> That whole Chewbacca thing where she, like, senses like, a mile away when he, like... Dude, I hate that. And then it's, like, they... the For, like, 20 minutes after that, they're just, like, not acting as if he actually died. It's just, like, oh, we gotta keep going on this space adventure. And it's, like, nah, dude, Chewbacca just died. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's, like, they didn't know what to do with, like, the original trilogy, like, characters. They, like... Like Lando, Lando kind of just like shows up at the end after this like short scene where. Why is he even there? I just feel like he's about to grab a microphone and like fan service every shot he's in. And like, there's that subplot. Apparently, that one chick, like, apparent, like Lando's the dad of that chick, but there wasn't enough time to add that like EFG story to the movie, like. It was like distracting. Like the fact that 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 character existed at all and was so important was so distracting. From the, yeah. the entire movie was distracting. Like it was the entire movie was just yeah fucking MacGuffins and like video game plot shit. It was, Dude, it was I so love how like you know the holdo. Like they even referenced the holdo maneuver from the last. Yeah, movie. that was dude, that was petty. <laughs> Which it's like. <laughs> It was. I mean, it was the best shot of The Last Jedi, but it also, like, doesn't make any sense to do that because you just, like, remotely, like, light jump a ship into any other ship. Like, no problem. Yeah, they didn't really explain it. Or, like... I don't know. I don't really have a problem with it. It, It's it's fine, but they did, like, definitely... But they did shit on it. They're like, just like Kelly Marie Tran is just like relegated to this like unimportant position. The whole thing about with Luke, dude, the entire Luke scene where she goes back to Octo or whatever and like he raises the ship out of the water, that entire scene, like he he catches the saber, that entire, everything he says in that scene made made me want to vomit. That is so. Bad. Like, if he can do that as a force ghost, why can't he go fight Palpatine? Like, they don't, I don't do even understand any of the ramifications of anything. Like, they they're just throwing shit at you. Did you guys see the the Reddit post about the the plot to Episode Nine before Carrie Fisher died? Uh, no. Ish. I think maybe some of it. No. I saw it. It sounded really. Interesting. Not to be one of these guys who's like, is that oh, the Trevaro like, script? Release the Trevaro fucking cut or whatever. But uh, you know, Carrie Fisher dying, I think, really impacted the the film. What was it? What were they gonna do? With, with uh, you should just read it. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, Honestly, the duel of the fate, like duel of the fates, is immediately a better title. Than yeah, Rise I of mean, hundred percent. Like, I mean, the whole like uh, Palpatine thing was fucking pathetic. Honestly, like, yeah. like it is embarrassing. <laughs> that that's what they did. I like Snoke in a jar. It's just he's, like, oh, he's okay. all the Siths. What's scarier than a Sith? All the Siths. <laughs> What's better than all the Siths? All the opposite thing of the Siths. It's so <laughs> fucking dumb. The, the end of that was... It was like an anime. <laughs> Dude, yeah, like all of the force healing, it's just like, can we not? Can we not force heal everybody? Like, but what's even the point? You- that's what you get when you get the writer of Batman versus Superman to write your script. Yeah, how did that happen? Like, what is <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy doing? I mean, the entire problem of that is insane. The 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 Star Wars franchise it must be worth billions, like billions and billions and billions, and they they just they just didn't give a shit. If you had, if you had a ten billion dollar company, you would plan. 2020 you would plan it out yeah any responsible company would you'd plan your what you're gonna do for the year and it's like they didn't do that it's a 10 billion dollar company i just don't understand i just fundamentally don't understand yeah utter insanity i just fucking hate the like the need to outdo the previous movies like in everything like Oh, like uh, we're like jumping through light speed, like we're light speed jumping or whatever. That, like, what's more impressive than like going through space at the speed of light? Uh, doing it like over. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, it's like the one up. It, like, why don't you just write something that's compelling instead of yeah? Up like, like, don't just like take what's been done before and then just like make it do more of that or something. Like, <laughs> <so> unoriginal. <laughs> They've been doing that so much with Star Wars. Oh, Yoda like, lifted a, a ship out of the swamp. Well, how about like uh, Force Ghost lifting a ship out of the swamp? How about all the Sith like attacking you with all their power? Like you like a, a fleet of like light. a million Death Stars. They even call like a million Death Stars. Like yeah. oh yeah, that's like scary, Force Lightning. I guess. Let's do bigger Force Lightning. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Like wh- just come up with something original and interesting. Like trust that will go along with it. <laughs> You like Palpatine? What about even more evil Palpatine? (laughs) (laughs) I like how he's just attached to like a life support robot. (laughs) He was on a crane, dude. He was on a fucking crane. They're just like J.J. Abrams is like just just put him on a techno crane, okay? Fine. (laughs) We don't have time for this. This movie comes out in three weeks. Um. Some of my cl- what about some close qualifiers for you? Did did, did you guys see her smell by any chance? I did not. No, that movie is really good. You should see it. Oh. Uh, did anyone see Ad Astra? I did. I, I hated Ad Astra. I did not like Ad Astra. Oh, I liked Ad Astra. Interesting. Dude, that ending was like okay. He's just flying through the rings of Jupiter back to a spaceship. Alright. Like, I was so checked out by the time that shit even happened. The ending, like, strained credulity, I I think. And, like, what... There was no payoff to, like, everything that it had, like, built built it, like, up. 
there was no payoff to like everything um, that had, that had come before that. And like, you know, the whole, his whole thing is like wanting to see his father. And then he's just like, oh, okay. Yeah, we just, we guess, just guess observe. We close that out. Like, we observe his like quiet movie. pain and rage throughout the entire movie. And then he gets to his spaceship and it's like, why is this charge from Jupiter even doing anything? Like, why? I don't know. Yeah. And ask it. I will say uh, Knives Out almost made it onto my list, but I didn't want to put it to like movies that were just like feel good movies like that in Wild Rose. So I chose Wild Rose over, but I love Knives Out. Knives Out was great. It's got a sequel. Interesting. Uh, Yeah, Knives Out, Marriage Story, um, uh, Uncut Gems, and the, The Irishman were the movies that I really debated putting on the list. You know what I briefly considered putting on here? Avengers Endgame. Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. I think really? I think uh, from a from like a planning perspective, like just like a logistical perspective, I think that movie was incredible. Uh, for sure, but that's I like, did enjoy it a lot. Like I don't think it was, you know, f- have said anything about anything, but like it was a really impressive like piece of work. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like so. Kevin Feige, the god, you know. I like really that's... think they deserve something for for what they <laughs> pulled off. Like that is a fucking achievement. Yeah, you don't think Joker deserves it more? <laughs> Although I guess you know what they have like a hundred billion dollars, so maybe they got what they got what they deserved. They got a shitload of money. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. A movie that a lot of other people have put on their list, not said anything about. It, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, dude, I just don't see it. Like, I didn't. I'm not there it. for it. I didn't hate it either. I just don't think it was yeah. particularly excellent either. Yeah. Like it's, it's like, just indulgent. It's two hours and forty five minutes of Tarantino jagging himself off, and an hour <laughs> of it is just people driving in cars, like. <laughs> With their like feet the, on the windshield. The only really... There are a couple of great scenes, but the Spawn Ranch scene is like the best sequence in the entire movie. Yeah, that, yeah. that ranch scene is great. Uh, I like the ending, too. Just Yeah, me too. It's fun. Yeah. I just wish they had done something more with the Manson thing. It just kind of feels like it's tacked on at, at the end of the movie. Like, I get the Sharon Tate stuff. It's like, okay, we're going to change history like I did in Glorious Bastards, but like... There's so much dead air in it. Oh, There's that God. one great callback joke with like Brad Pitt that takes like 20 minutes to pay off, but it's just great. Yeah. But then it's like they they gloss over one of what could have been one of like a great second act of the movie of them just shooting spaghetti westerns in Rome. <laughs> like that could that could have been that would have saved the movie from like the slump that it fell into for me, but that scene with him and the, the child actor was pretty great. I thoroughly enjoyed that. I didn't care for that. Like I really? I yeah, I liked it. See. Like when he went into the trailer, I liked that. When he was actually trying to do the scene, I liked that. But like the whole kid sequence, I was like, this is just kinda whatever. Yeah, it was a little too twee for me. I don't know. Right. I mean, she was super precocious, but uh I don't know. I just <laughs> I liked his uh his playing off of that and yeah i mean he did a, he does like a really good job i don't i don't have yeah. any issues with leo 
Yeah, Leo and Brad Pitt. Warriors is such a better film. Yeah. Yep. Did you guys see uh, Hustlers? Uh, no. Yeah, that was that is the other movie that I didn't include actually. Okay, I saw it I last night. Uh, I liked it. Yeah, good one. It like made my second tier. I think Hustlers is great. Yeah. I just had like a fucking really fun time, and J Lo is uh, getting robbed. I think she's. <laughs> Yeah. That is high praise. Constance Wu is like whatever, but J-Lo like is getting robbed. Yeah. Kind of reminded me of when we went to that <laughs> in Vegas. Uh, <laughs> this, like it, it brought me back to that. <laughs> yeah. nice. All right. Now I'm going to have to watch Hustlers. That's the only, that's the only anecdote that's going to get me to watch it. It's just fun. <laughs> it's just like a fun film. I don't know. Dude, I saw Color Out of Space. What's that? It's, uh, so apparently the studio that did Mandy oh. with Nick Cage. Is that the Stanley Kubrick's uh, DP guy? No, that that's film worker, but he wasn't. It, oh yeah, that's the other one you recommended. Yeah, like it's a so color out of space is an H.P. Lovecraft uh, short story, and like apparently they're doing three movies, and it had Nick Cage, and like it's kind of batshit. It's basically like the thing meets Annihilation, but it's not. It's not that good. Like honestly, it's kind of a pass. <laughs> Like if if you want to pop it into the VHS is like you know out, out of curiosity it's kind of worth it but yeah. it's it's no Mandy <laughs> yeah also fuck nineteen seventeen well okay this is just what I was gonna ask actually did you have a film that you like really disagree with everyone about that you kind of hated that everyone else kind of liked for me it's Joker Steve sounds like nineteen seventeen. Yep. Daniel? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's probably Joker. Uh, I also really didn't like uh, Ready or Not. I thought it would be really? better of a movie. Hmm. Yeah. I, I thought that the, the main actress, um, who, uh, what's her name? Samara Weaving. She She's really good in it, but the rest of the movie uh, was like the poor man's cabin in the woods. Like, it's so... <laughs> Cabin in the Woods is so much better than than Freddy or Not. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, but I don't think it's bad. Mm. It was, I mean, it's good in a popcorn way. Yeah, definitely a popcorn watch. I just, I would never call it bad. Mm. I just don't think it's as good as. Yeah, it wasn't straight bad. I agree with that. Oh no, didn't care for it. Well, gentlemen, fuck you. you. (laughs) I'm gonna call it. So Nothing you said is worth shit with that <laughs> opinion. <laughs> <sighs> All right. I think we did it. <laughs> <laughs>